Hi, Amin. Hey, Salam. Wa alaikum as-salam. Welcome to the podcast. Well, it is my treat to be here. Thanks for having me. No, I'm super excited because everybody knows I have kids. I talk about them all the time. And you're an entrepreneur, so re- related to kids. Those did not seem connected until I put that last <laughs> sentence together. But tell the folks at home what you do. Sure. So I am the executive director of Noor Kids. So if you don't know what Noor Kids is, Noor Kids is a character building program that we started while we were students at Harvard University about 10 years ago. Alhamdulillah, now our work, um, Allah's put a lot of barakah in it. We're in about 25,000 homes and uh, not just doing the character building program, but now expanding into animation and a whole host of other exciting things. Alhamdulillah. And when you say, um, like, so you don't consider yourselves a book company. When you say character building, you're what, what do you define that as tangibly? Yeah, so in Arabic, we'd call it akhlaq, right? So it's things like gratitude, honesty, patience, altruism, forgiveness. And so um, how that translates into our product, right? So our product every month, you get a book in the mail. But in addition to that, every week we have a online khutbah for kids that children are able to join. And then we do these like exciting activities and like um, we call it project-based learning um, where kids from all around the world, from Singapore and Australia and Minneapolis, where I'm from, uh, are able to participate and build this kind of global community together. And what what got you here? Like, were you raised in the States? What kind of, yeah, tell me tell me your backstory, I mean. Layla, that's a loaded question. Tell me your backstory. <laughs> oh, my here? goodness. All right. So it all started, um, I'm from Minneapolis. And um, when I grew up, Layla, there was very few Muslims in Minneapolis, like so many people I feel like on your podcast talk about. I remember when I was in middle school, I would play baseball. And I remember how my mom would come and she would sit in the stands and she would cheer for me. But friends would start to tease her. They'd make fun of my mom because of her hijab. And at 13 years old, I didn't really know what to do. So I began telling my mom to pick me up 15 minutes after my baseball games were finished because I didn't want anyone to see my mom. I didn't want anyone to know that I was a Muslim. I just wanted to kind of fit in. Now, the reality is, is that as I got older, it's not like things got easier. Um, I remember like, you know, every Sunday I'd go to Sunday school and when friends would ask me, so what'd you do over the weekend? I'd say, I went to Sunday school and then they'd like make fun of me and then you know, as time progressed, Layla, um, I began tucking Islam into the kind of corner of my life um, because I didn't really want anyone to see it. And I think at the same time, if I'm being honest, it's not just that I didn't want other people to see it. I didn't really value it. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't something that I felt was important to me. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, as, uh, you know, as, as time progressed, it got more difficult. You know, we can talk about college if you're interested in it. Um, but, uh, but, but, but a time came when I was forced to make a decision. Am I actually going to be Muslim or not? Um, Layla, I distinctly remember a moment when I was studying abroad in Thailand and my brother came to visit me. And we were in this like northern city called Chiang Mai. And we had just finished like hiking some mountains. And it was like really late at night. And there was no one on the street. There was only like one lamp on. And my brother, my older brother Muhammad, he said, sit down. 
I was like, what are you talking about? We're in a random like street. He's like, no, sit down right now. He had me like sit down on the curb. And then he started like talking to me. He's like, I mean, like, are you the kid that our mom raised? You know, like, who are you? And I distinctly remember that I was a junior in college at that time. I had to kind of make a decision and say, hey, look, like, is, is this faith that I was born into something that I'm actually going to believe in? Is it actually an important part of my life? And that was a big turning point for me because that's when I started to, you know, really look at faith from a different lens. And Alhamdulillah, I was really blessed to have really great teachers, really great mentors, really great resources to help me come to terms to say, wow, this is like one of the biggest blessings of my life. Um, um, really, truly, like this faith is something that unlocks my potential, that gives me happiness, that gives me direction, that helps me understand what it means to live. And so um, my niece was born three years after that. And Layla, if you remember, at around 2010, there was a masjid being built in, um, in New York City. And people called it the Ground Zero Masjid. And there was so much hoopla and anger about it. And it was a defining moment because I thought to myself, geez, like this is years after 9-11. And there's still this kind of, you know, the, this, this negative sentiment. How is this girl, Asya, my niece, how is she going to grow up and feel confident and comfortable in, in her skin given the reality of the challenges I went through and how I kind of barely made it out alive. Now, as luck would have it, at the time, we were students at Harvard University. And, you know, the way these schools always work is they have these, like, case competitions. And and really, it's not about, like, which idea is going to, like, make the most money, but rather which idea solves a problem, or at least that's the way they, they you know, they, they had this minimum viable product competition. And so it was all about solving a problem. And so my brother and I thought to ourselves, well, how can we solve this problem? How can we help kids not just learn about faith, build confidence in their faith, but also build a love, like a pride, a deep affection to say, yeah, like I'm, I'm really proud of this. Um, and that's, you know, where Nor Kids was initially born. So you were in college pre-kids and you saw this as a gap in the market. Yeah, I mean, so what happened was I, I finished college, then I joined a Fortune 500 company, I did mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, I was like, venture capital, yeah, I was like right? kids' so, books is not very Harvard post-graduation plan. What's the real story? <laughs> so no, so so what happens is, is like, yeah, like my brother, my older brother, Muhammad, he's at McKinsey and Company. In fact, he's still at McKinsey and Company, <laughs> mashallah, he's quite senior there. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I did mergers and acquisitions, corporate venture capital. And um, in uh, actually my brother, so I was working full time. And by the way, like there was this huge transition because in college, and I don't know if other people can relate to this, but like, man, when I was in school, I was working super hard. Like, yeah, I was doing school, but outside of school, student organizations, like doing all sorts of stuff. And once I started my job, I was like, all right, I got a lot of time. I got a lot of time on my hands. Like, what am I, what am I going to do? Yeah. Especially in Cambridge. I mean, the community is so rich that even when you're not busy, there's just so much to do. Alhamdulillah. Yes. And, you know, I, I also think the Muslim community there is quite vibrant as well. And so anyways, um, so, so, so we started toying with this. Um, and when I say toying, like really was a passion project. And by the way, like 
so yeah, we, we had this case competition, okay? And there was 88 different, like, ideas that were pitched. And we were one of the top five that ended up winning. Mm. And for my brother and I, we were like, whoa. Like, we were just doing this as like a learning exercise to create a minimum viable product, which, I mean, you can Google that to figure out what that is if you want to know. But, like, we were just trying to solve this problem and, like, Harvard thought it was a good idea and they gave us like $5,000 and we're like, okay, well, let's actually create our first book. Hmm. And, um, and, and that's what we did. And, 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 and Layla, f- for the first six years, really, between 2010, really 2011 and 2016, that's what this was. It was a passion project. Mm. Like in the same way that people volunteer their time at their local weekend Islamic school or their local mush. This was just our voluntary effort, right? It was kind of like, you know, this is fun. And like real talk, right? I was like 24 years old. Like I was like, like when I'd be meeting people, like specifically my wife, she's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I do mergers and acquisitions by day. <laughs> and I write children's books by night. Needless to say, we have two kids now. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, but that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's what it was initially. Hmm. And so you kind of saw this gap in the market in relationship to identity and kind of building values. And when you say, I mean, $5,000 is a lot of money, but also not a lot of money, right? For five years. And I don't know if you had a background in illustration, like what were the actual steps that you took to print your first book and test it that that got you to that point in 2016 when you were like, no, I'm really doing this. Okay. So a part of that is objective and a part of it is subjective. Let me explain. So first to answer your question, like how did we actually get this off the ground? Well, um, what we first did is like at Harvard, we had the ability to talk to a bunch of like smart people, right? Specifically in um, children's education and children's psychology. And so we like met with them to say, hey, look, like, are there any um, analogs or any other communities that we can like benchmark? Are there any like key principles? Now, we were not students of education at that time. We benefited from that later on. And I'll talk about that. But initially, what, what we learned was, look, there was something about role models that was important. There was something about critical thinking that was important. And there was something about storytelling that was important. And so we basically packaged it up and, um, and, and created our first book. Now, how we did that was I spent like three months going to the library, um, to my local library, like reading every kid's book that I possibly could, building a really good relationship with the librarian. Um, in the way, I guess, like any, like, I don't know, like, how would a type A personality person create a book? I don't know. I was just like, okay, so what is everyone else doing, you know? And so I, you know, I'd take notes and, um, and, 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 and when we created our first book, um, we were also blessed to have a community of 50 parents who um, we had, like, just briefly connected with who expressed a lot of interest in this. And this was so important because early days we were able to appreciate the expansive diversity within the Muslim community related to race, with respect to religiosity, with respect to, you know, geography, so on and so forth, which I think played such an important role into um, helping create newer kids into, you know, really what it is today. Now, like, 
when did we decide to evolve? Um, in 2014, I went to do my graduate school. I went to business school at Berkeley. And my wife was doing her master's in education. This was in 2014. And halfway through, my mom, who was 51 years old, passed away. Mm. Um, she was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of cancer. Um, and it was really uh, traumatic. It was tough. And so sorry. every time you finish like school, something like that, it's a big kind of like juncture to say, okay, well, now what am I going to do? And when I finished school, it was 2016, my wife and I kind of looked at each other to say, hey, look, like we've had such a, we've had the tawfiq, we've had the, the blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored us with the ability to work on our kids. 2016, imagine everything that's going on in our country at that time, new election happening, so on and so forth. And so Sana and I kind of made a pretty irrational decision to say, hey, you know what? Um, let me say no to kind of some of the other like professional opportunities and invest ourselves into newer kids. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned that Sana had her master's in education. That was really important because uh, her, her thesis was actually around um, 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 diversity and equity with respect to education, specifically focusing on five to nine-year-olds. And we're able to get really, really smart on developing a like really, I think, thoughtful pedagogy and curriculum that's like integrated into newer kids. And Alhamdulillah, today we have six, 17 employees. Um, we've created 66 children's books that um, have in total entered into about 250,000 homes. And um you know, it's still, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, um, Layla, like, yeah, I mean, it's a case in motion. I, I, you know, I think there's still a long way for newer kids to go. There's so much more impact that I'm hoping that we have the opportunity to make. Um, but I'm thankful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put me in a place where I gained the courage to, I guess, make the jump to do this. Yeah, that sounds it sounds amazing. I certainly um, know a thing or two about the jump. It's it's wild, but what what really stuck out is, is Sana your wife? Yeah, sorry. I hope that was not unclear. Sana is my wife. You started a company with your wife? Yeah, we not we still run the company. We're still and she's <laughs> yeah, still your wife. She's still my wife. You know, I had a really good mentor, and you know, like. I think work is a big part of my life. And so truthfully, like having my wife be involved in the work enriches our family so much. And honestly, like Layla, think about it, right? Like this is the mother of my kids. And she is, I believe, like one of the world's experts when it comes to like the curriculum and pedagogy for like raising kids. And I pinch myself because I'm like, gosh, like, alhamdulillah, like that's, I'm happy about that. That's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely worked out meant to be is one way to put it. But um, that that sounds amazing. And, and like, so how did you 
figure out, for example, like roles and, and the early stuff when it was the two of you, or did you bring anybody else on to help? Yeah. So like initially it was a lot of me. So early days before I even met Senna, right? Because we started New York Kids before Senna was there. It was my brother and I. So I was doing everything and, mm. and my brother was helping as well. So this is everything from, you know, uh, creating. So every book starts with research, right? So if you're going to create a book on gratitude, you actually have to do research on gratitude to say, mm. hey, look, what can we learn from the you know traditions of our holy prophet peace be upon him what can we learn from the quran like what can we learn from various um other stories about the family of our holy prophet or the companions of our holy prophet and then of course there's like the whole secular research as well to say hey look what what else can we learn about gratitude and then after that we create two morals of the story to say hey look in every book we have two stories like what are the two morals so we have to do this research and then after that we actually have to like create the plot then after that we have to create the manuscript then after that we have to create the art direction then we have to illustrate it at the beginning i was doing like everything start to finish hmm. um um except for the illustration we had a team in indonesia from 10 years ago, who still um, are basically an extension of Nora Kids. We're still working on Nora Kids today. Um, but yeah, like once I got into business school and I became like super time stressed, it became clear that I couldn't do all of this. And also, as it started becoming clear that, look, you know, if we want to evolve this from being a passion project to something that is more substantive, there's people who are much better than me at. Islamic research. There's people who are much better than me at art. Um, there are people who are much better than me at writing manuscripts. I'm good at storytelling. I like I like creating the plots, but the manuscript that's a little bit more nuanced because you have to think about word choice for five to nine year olds and things like that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I might be getting too much in the weeds here. Layla, too much in the weeds? Should no, it's actually really interesting because I think every, oh. now that I have kids, I think every Many people who've had kids have had the thought cross their minds, like, should I just write a book? And then you're talking about things that would just never, ever cross my mind, like word count or vocabulary. I mean, the answer is no, I'll probably never write a children's book. But still, like, you know, when when my immediate reaction when something is non-existent in the market or scarce is to just solve it. So it's funny hearing you talk about it because I definitely um, knew it was hard. I, I'm also building a business. Any business is hard, but it's interesting to kind of hear the details of what you have to consider to make it very good. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and look, of course, like any other business, it's iteration, right? Like like our first book, like I read it and I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Like the, the title of the first book was called School is Out for the Summer, which in and of itself, people will only get that book like one week out of the year, right? Imagine like a book called School's Out in the Summer and you're like walking through the library in January. You're like, well, I'm not going to get that book, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, that was silly. Like that's a bad title. Like we should have been more thoughtful about that. Um, but, 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 but regardless, like the amount of learnings are immense. Um, um, but, but of course, one of which was to like surround ourselves with really talented people. So for example, uh, now, you know, the, the, the folks that do the Islamic research before every one of our books are like PhDs in Islamic studies. Um, you know, the, uh, one of the, our writers, Amar Habib, um, he is like, a best-selling author of uh, of uh, of sci-fi and fiction, um, who you know writes for Nor Kids as well, um, and so the, there you know there really is a difference between stories that 
you know, when a kid reads is like sitting on the edge of his or her seat thinking like, what's going to happen next? Mm. And that was really important early days because think about it, right? Um, Like what if kids were like genuinely excited to learn about religion? Like it wasn't like, oh man, I have to go to Sunday school. But it's like, oh my goodness, the new Nord Kids book is in my mailbox. Like, and you're like fighting with your sibling. Like, no, I'm going to read it first. And then they like tear the page. No, they shouldn't tear the pages. That's not good. But like, that's what we want, right? Like we want, we, we want stories that get people on the edge of their seat to say, wow. Um, and, 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 and I think my background from General Mills, like the, the whole like kid tested mother approved thing, was really important. If you, if you ask a, a, a mom or a dad, like, hey, what would you want in your kid's breakfast cereal? Well, they'd say, well, I want 100% vitamin C and 100% vitamin D and 100% calcium and zero calories. Well, you could make that cereal. Hmm. But a kid would never eat more than one bite. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you've got kids, like, kids have an opinion and they mm-hmm. will let you know their opinion, right? Mm-hmm. There needs to be sugar. Like, there, it needs to, now again, like, there's a balance of how much sugar, right? That's a different question, childhood obesity, so on and so forth. But like, you have to create stories that have real conflict, that have real tension, that are like actually interesting. Right. You can't just have perfect Muslim characters doing perfect Muslim things. Like, right. No one wants to read that. Which like, which like we've done, right? Because as a community, like the greater us, we are in, in the United States, I think as a result of some of the experiences you mentioned earlier, September 11th, so on and so forth. The, I think the initial instinct was like, be perfect because you're representing all of us. And so I remember when that reality TV show came out in, in Detroit, I think it was, it was like a Muslim families all being American followed. Muslim, yeah. And that was just it. Like they were just being, but they weren't being in a particularly interesting way. They were just like being, right? So <laughs> they like, play football. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, these just seem like really good people, but I want a little bit of like drama, right? And and so I I think that that is the initial instinct, but I also understand why they felt the need to be that way. Like I've chosen to wear hijab for a very long time and behind every action, every time I'm like about to flip somebody off in the car because they cut me off, I'm like, but do I really want to represent a billion people like this? And depending on kind of how high my anger is, I either do it or I don't. But usually I try not to, right? Because like there's kind of this, this like feeling of representation because we're wounded, because we know we've been dirty, because we know we've been scapegoated, right? Which honestly is not, I wouldn't have thought twice if I didn't wear hijab, right? I know when I'm wearing a hood and placing my hijab, I don't think twice about certain things. And somehow like I have this filter when I have this banner of representation on. Tisk tisk. I, I, I totally appreciate that. Like the whole like positive parenting person wants to come out and be like, but Layla, like <laughs> what would, what would Allah be pleased with? You know, like but anyways, neither here nor there. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. I, I would say for me, as I think about characters and I think about, you know, for us specifically. Um, so one of our like key pedagogical themes is role models. Okay. Um, turns out role models are very important. Okay. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, now, having said that, Role models are just such a incredible instrument you can use to teach, right? Mm. Because imagine, instead of saying this is how Muslims behave or this is what it look, uh, this is how Muslims in America look, 
if I can actually help children build a relationship with one of our four characters, Amin, Shiri, and Asad, Amira, these characters actually demonstrate, like, this is how I behave or this is how mm. I act, right? Now, here's the reality, though. If you think about your favorite movie in the history of movies, right? Do you have a favorite movie, by the way, that you can think of? You know, we just played this game at a retreat last week, and the only one that came to mind, which is not my favorite, but it's just very funny, is Men in Tights. <laughs> okay. Do you remember I, that movie, the Robin Hood movie from like when yeah, I was nine? It was great. Yeah, like I, like vaguely, vaguely. Very funny, but no, okay. I don't. I don't think I have a favorite. But let's call it Men in Tights for the sake of example. <laughs> okay, well, this is not a good one because I don't remember the movie. But okay, I'll just make the point. Um, the regular Robin Hood. We'll do okay. the regular Robin Hood. So generally speaking, right? The main character is one that you can relate to. If you cannot relate to the main character, even even when you think about evil characters, think about Joker, that movie Joker. Right. right? Like people were able to, when you're humanizing it, when you're able to gain empathy for that character, no, oh my gosh, he's not he, he's he's not perfectly evil, actually. Mm. He actually is human, and I'm a human too, and I can see a lot of myself in that character. Well, that's when that character can start to actually transform into becoming a role model, mm. right? So for us, the greater good is we want these kids to have really great role models through these characters that mm -hmm. help like become tools for education, but ain't no real characters perfect, right? Like in order to make these characters relatable such that they could one day become role models, they have to be imperfect just like us. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why like our stories are all, you know, like they're all imperfect characters. They all make mistakes. They all um, go through human challenges just like us and uh, relatable stuff like, man, the ice cream truck is coming and I don't got enough money in my own piggy bank, but my brother Joffrey does. Like, eh, if I take a couple of my, no one's really going to notice, right? Like, um, that, that those are the types of stories that we like to tell. And you know, it's great because as you mentioned that, I put my like kid hat on and remembered being a kid and I like distinctly remember watching the Power Rangers. We didn't have TV. My parents are kind of like hippy dippy in many ways. So as kid, we, kids, we didn't have TV. So I remember going to my friend's house and watching Power Rangers and just thinking like these girls are so cool and we play games and pretend to act like them like i think the pink and the yellow were female and yeah. um now as an adult like I, I just you know i saw like a a fierceness in them that i really liked so as an adult when i put my kid hat on you're right like i distinctly remember the people i saw on tv that resonated i also distinctly realized as an adult not a whole lot of them looked like me or shared my experience which is why the media and the content right now is so important Layla, um, like what you're talking about kind of illustrates the challenge at hand. Um, you know, I I think about legacy a lot. That I mean, that's why I do Nora Kids, right? After my mom passed away, I was like, mm. well, if I do good, then inshallah, this will be a great legacy for my mom. And, and hopefully, like, you know, if I'm able to inshallah, you know, raise good kids then you know i actually think about it almost like um you know there's like the ali ibrahim the family of prophet ibrahim or like the ali muhammad like the family of prophet muhammad i'm like well what what are the ali amin gonna be hmm. what is you know three generations from now um what is 
what is my lineage going to look like? And then when you take it one, um, zoom out a little bit, what is Islam going to look like? And what are Muslims going to look like? We spent a lot of time thinking about this. And um, I started by saying NorKids is a character building program because um, when you think about religious education, oftentimes there's a fixation that we have on like history or like ahkam or fiqh or like, you know, this is haram and this is halal and this, you know, so on and so forth, which, which by the way, like there's, I mean, they are important. It's not to discount them and say that they're not important. No, there's there's a time and a place. But, like, at its core, and in the kind of, like, science of tarbiyah, like, that is Islamic upbringing of kids, and it should tell us something about, like, like the purpose of faith, it starts with character, Hmm. honesty, patience, Mm -hmm. gratitude, forgiveness, courage, so on and so forth. The reason why I say that is because um, most uh, perspectives in the world of uh, child psychology and early childhood education is those first nine years are where we can have the highest return on investment. Mm. And so the thing I always wrestle with, like when you talked about Power Rangers, is like, what are those resources for our kids? Mm. And during those first nine years when we have the highest return on investment, am I planting those seeds of character, of love for God, like for, you know, this like really kind of, um, um, I think like important perspective. And I think our community still has a long way to go. Right. You know, my mom's response to that is she just opened up an Islamic school. I know uh, your mom. <laughs> my mom's, oh, you probably do. That's right. I feel like you both float in the education community. My mom's the bomb. Your mom, in 2017, we created something called the Islamic Teacher Islamic Teacher Awards. Okay. And there was like over like 3,000 teachers who had been nominated. And your mom was one of five finalists. What? Of course she was. She's such an overachiever. Yeah. I'm not surprised. She's the best. In, in LA, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And actually, the school's quite incredible. So she she was an orthodontist and then got her PhD in organizational leadership and like really, you know, had built a school along the way. And and the school's quite incredible because it's in a lower income neighborhood um, within LA County. And they bring in a lot of students also who just can't afford good educations. And she actually was just iterating to me the values, but one is access and other is equity for like all children, right? And you see it, like you see children of refugees, children who grew up in these neighborhoods that were not very um, wealthy, getting full rides at schools like Cal. It's it's actually really incredible. And it's just like, that was her response to it. And I think about it a lot because now I'm in a position in life where I need to, we're like an hour away from them, right? So I need to figure out how I can instill those values in my kids. Like we're in Los Angeles, everybody's the son of or daughter of somebody, right? Where where the, there's a different type of representation that matters in terms of who you are and who you know. So like, I, I think about that question a lot in terms of what our response will be to it. So like, so bless your mom and inshallah puts a baraka on her effort. And um, so um, we did something called the Muslim Identity Study um, where we went to 
five cities across North America, um, LA, Phoenix, Dallas, DC, Maryland, Virginia, and Atlanta. And it was the most robust, like, empirical study that's been done on five to nine-year-old Muslim children hmm. in, in America. And this was done between 2016 and 2017, immediately following the kind of election, because we wanted to understand how these kids, um, I, you know, um, understand their identity. How do they internalize? And a little bit of the backdrop here. Um, remember when I told you that, like, I told my mom to pick me up 15 minutes after my baseball mm-hmm. games were finished? That is, like, internalized oppression, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Black community, um, there was a study that was done um, in the 1950s called the Dahl Test, where two researchers, Kenneth and Mamie Clark, wanted to understand the impact of discrimination on Black boys and girls. So they gave them two dolls, a Black one and a white one. And they'd ask the children a battery of questions, questions like which doll is good, which doll is evil, which mm-hmm. doll is beautiful, which doll is ugly, which doll do you want to play with? And well, anyways, discover that 70%, 7 in 10 of these kids would identify the positive characteristics with the white doll and the negative characteristics with the black doll. Ugh. Wow. So, and that that was actually like, you know, the, the, the good in that was um, it was because of that research that... Um, um, segregation of schools ended. That was like why Brown versus Board of Education like was overturned. Anyways, um, or, or that's why um, Brown versus Board of Education actually like was, um, you know, validated by the Supreme Court. So, so our study was kind of similar. Um, you know, we, 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 we wanted to understand how these kids internalize being American and Muslim and how they feel about it. So we'd ask, you know, we'd tell them statements and the kids would either like, put their thumbs up to agree, put their thumbs down to disagree, or, you know, keep their hands, um, like, moving side to side if they said, I don't know. So we'd say, like, I am an American. I am a Muslim. Muslims can be American. Americans can be Muslims. Muslims are good people. Americans are good people, so on and so forth. What we discovered, uh, Layla, was that, like, one in two, 50% of these kids feel conflicted about being both Muslim and American. Wow. American. Um, And uh, one in three would... Uh, they they did not want others, uh, non-Muslims, to know that they were Muslims. Wow. Uh, and one in five uh, um, shared that they actively sometimes um, pretend not to be Muslim. And That's so really depressing. it is, I mean, so there, there's so much to unpack from that. But the question is, so like, what what do we know matters, right? And Layla, you know what matters? Parents? Nor kids. Subscribe now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that too. <laughs> Representation. So, so, so you hit that. You, you hit the nail on the head. Like parents. Turns out, parents play the single most important role. Okay. So, um, one of the findings we found with statistical significance that children, who's okay. So, caveat before I say this, like before you draw a conclusion about what this means, allow me to explain. Right. So we found that with statistical significance, children whose mother wore hijab tended to have more favorable attitudes about uh, being Muslim, about being American and Muslims being American. Hmm. Now, so some people might say, oh, well, it means all of our women should wear hijab. No, that's that's not the key takeaway here. That's that's not the key takeaway. The key takeaway is this. Right. Um, There are like thousands of like literally actually not even thousands millions of decisions we as parents make on a daily basis. And I talked about role models earlier. Frankly, the most important role model 
our parents, right? So if I, as a dad, like showcase to my child, like that I'm for in, in whatever shape or form, um, um, uh, this idea of feeling cohesion between being both Muslim or American or my practice of Islam, it's going to rub off on my kid, right? Right. Now, and it's not to like get focused on hijab. No, that's just one like, I mean, like, look, when we're doing research, it's a very like easy thing to ask. Especially right? a five-year-old. Correct. I can't be like, you know, tell me about like what music you listen to on the car on the way to school. Or I can't right. ask you like, oh, so let me give you an example. So when I was a kid, okay, here's a really good example. Uh, we used to take road trips and then at the rest area, uh, we would take a break to pray, and my dad, bless my dad, my dad's awesome. But at that time, he'd like look to the left, he'd look to the right. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> make sure nobody we've was there. We've all been there. And then he was like, all right, let's do it quick. And so like, I'd be like, oh, what we're doing here is really weird. Oh my goodness, like this is a big secret. Don't tell anybody, like we're praying, you know? Right, right, right. Whereas if, for example, in that moment, my dad was like, yeah, man, we're just going to pray out here. It's not a big deal, yeah. right? My entire life, like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm just praying. Like, what's what? What are you? What are you being weird about? There's nothing to be weird about, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so parents are a really big deal. The other big thing is what's called the community of practice. So, community of practice is basically, if you were to like sum all of the social interactions that you have, that's school, that's karate, that's like weekend Islamic school, that's who you get together with on Fridays and Saturdays, so on and so forth. Ideally, you want to surround your kids around diversity. Um, so a diverse group of people. So think socioeconomic diversity, ethnic diversity, so on and so forth. Um, and, um, you know, they talk about like windows and mirrors. So you want to have windows into like, you know, other people and you want mirrors that like reaffirm your own identity as mm -hmm. well. Anyways, there's so much more to talk about here, but... Um, <laughs> so I'm like, do you have blogs about it as a mom? Like, I, I feel like I need to learn all this stuff. Well, we don't have blogs, but we have the Muslim Super Dad and Wonder Mom podcast, which oh. you could subscribe to all wherever right. you listen to your podcast and drop a five star review. All right. <laughs> I was wondering why your mic was so good. <laughs> well, we we do these khutbah for kids programs yeah. every Thursday nights. So we've got a little studio situation. Yeah, I was like, these are not AirPods. I knew off the bat. I'm like, this man, this man has a setup. This is a great setup. But anyway, <laughs> so so question about the business. Did, did you raise money? Are you bootstrapped? How did you finance your way through it? Man, it's it's a case in motion. We're we're still figuring it out, um, Layla. So so completely bootstrapped. We raised zero money. We just got the five thousand dollars that Harvard gave us. You know, at you know on on day one. Alhamdulillah, we have seventeen employees now, and 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 we do a lot. So 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 that's. Um, that that's our financing. Now, having said that, Layla, what I will tell you is, um, you know, uh, with that comes like immense challenges. Um, what I mean is, um, turns out, uh, and you know, frankly, as as we think about why we even do Nora Kids, it's more about the impact than about financial return. The financial return is tough. Um, you know, I I I personally have paid myself a salary of like very, very little uh, for five years. And alhamdulillah, I've been blessed because I have a very supportive wife, uh, but also alhamdulillah, like I did um, stuff that made a lot of money before I started to ignore kids and, 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 and alhamdulillah, that, that helped. But, 
Yeah, I mean, we're 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 thinking about you know how how we um, you know what the future looks like, whether that means um, um, you know relying primarily on charitable donations or um, you know raising money or you know figuring out uh, you know the, there's very few case studies of organizations that have done really meaningful commerce in the Muslim community, and so uh, especially when we started, it's not like you can point towards like examples uh, like Launch Good, Launch Good's, I think one of the Launch Good and Wahid Invest, I think are two organizations that have really done a good job. But again, you know, Wahid Invest is still a case in motion. I mean, we'll see what the future holds for them, but um, we're figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, I bet that's that's generally the answer for any business. And I think becoming a niche business in the faith space. Um, and and I don't, I don't know anything about literature and how margins work too, but like, I'm sure there's challenges, but at the same time, like, you know, there's all these parents hungry for content and you have a podcast, you have books, there's lots of ways to produce content. You have a pretty heavy um, social media presence and um, you're giving, you're giving the community the content it needs. Like I think if my mom was a mom in 2021, she'd just be like an influencer, like an Islam influencer, mom influencer. <laughs> a, a mom influencer. Islam mom influencer. But, yeah. Uh, why not? She could still do it. She has no interest. She literally is like, I hear about your kids on Instagram from my friends. I'm like, yeah, I have no interest whatsoever. This is the lady who straight up removed TV from our home and was like, I'm not interested in this. This is a waste of your time. You have no reason to be watching this. I'll be honest, man. I feel like I need more of your mom in my life um, because (laughs) real talk, social media is, gosh, like, do you, are you on TikTok? Oh, yeah, of course. I live for TikTok. (laughs) Oh my god! I learned how to cook on TikTok. Are you kidding me, Layla? Like, oh my god! So, like, okay, so I'm I'm not that old, okay, but like, I like just discovered TikTok like two months ago. Uh, say goodbye to your nights. Well, Layla, like, I I literally set up like this thing on my phone that's like after 15 minutes, like kick shut it, it off. off. <laughs> it's I don't think it's like I I don't know I, I I don't I'm not gonna issue any fatwas okay not not that I, I have the <laughs> TikTok is not haram <laughs> I'm not saying it's haram I'm not saying it's haram but like yo real talk like it's I don't know if it's halal either is that all I'm saying <laughs> I'm not saying it's haram I just don't know if it's halal I just don't know I'm confused uh, it's definitely confused. addictive like I've never been a gambler but I bet that's what gambling feels like oh, like let me just quickly my. check. But I learn, I learn, I learn so much. I learn to put my chicken in my KitchenAid to, you know, shred it instead of shredding it by hand and burning your fingers. I don't even Not, cook. Yeah, and I'm with you, Layla. <laughs> but now imagine when your daughter or son is like 15 oh years old and Doing it's like, the renegade or whatever. Oh, but mom, I'm learning how to how to cook my chicken. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, you're get a liar. That out of here. Get, get, <laughs> give me that. Who are you following? You like I to know. what? So, I know. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, that's but. I, I, so so why that matters is, yeah, I mean, look, like truthfully, like it's not even about being Muslim. Like just like let's not talk about being Muslim for a moment. Let's just talk about being a parent for a moment. Like raising kids in 2021, right, like is no easy task. And like definitely we need like – help from Allah to like help us on this. But like real talk, I mean, when we were kids, like I had AOL instant messenger. That's as like crazy as things got. 
right? Or there was ICQ, which was like, oh my goodness, you could be chatting with somebody or something, right? But like the world that we live in today is very, very different. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, like scaring people or anything like that. It's just real. And, and, and it's like, I myself know the challenges. So like, imagine that 15 or 16 year old girl or boy. Right. right. Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, it requires more than ever the village and the village will not be physical. I think digital is most likely what it'll be. Maybe you'll have some physical components, as you'd mentioned earlier, the importance of community and such. But there, there is a brain trust of knowledge and of content that's being produced and has to continue to be produced that will resonate with our kids. Right. Because like I certainly didn't have that growing up. And I think we all went through these struggles of identity um, that lack of representation didn't help. So like, I, I think that, you know, in many ways you're doing God's work, so to speak, like it's, it's important and, and will help our children, I think, rectify and appreciate and be unapologetic about all their identities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, inshallah, Allah helps us. And I, so, um, so last year we embarked on a pretty ambitious project that I'm really excited about where, um, we're creating our first set of animated videos. Cool. I think the, uh, book medium is really exciting and, like so many other like equities like Batman or Superman that started in the print form, uh, when they evolved into uh, video uh, is when they started to make more substantial impact. And so mm-hmm. um, we are uh, work, we're working on it. And we've been blessed in that we've been connected with so many amazing like pioneers across the entire like value chain, like whether that is voice actors or whether Mm. that is um, character designers or whether that is storyboard artists or whether that is directors or animators uh, who are like in the top 1% in their profession. Like they're like the real deal, but happen to have a soft spot for newer kids that we've been able to like find uh, so that way, inshallah, come summer 2022, we are able to release um, this series for free on YouTube as our kind of first foray into uh, video. That's amazing. I cannot wait to never watch Coco Melon again. <laughs> <laughs> say less, my friend. Say less. You said, I cannot wait to never watch Coco Melon. Just Coco this like Melon really bizarre yes. little toddler that sings all day to the same beat. But, you know, like yes. my kids love it. They just think he's brilliant and they're just always. Layla, how, how old are your kids? One and three. Okay. So so um, I have a three and a half year old Kothar, amazing, and I've got a six month old Qasim. Um, five to nine. So newer kids, we, we focus on five to nine. So inshallah, as as they get a little bit older, um, hopefully you'll you'll be able to benefit from our special. I, I really, really look forward to it. And actually for those listening who want to benefit from your content, what, what are your plugs? Um, I know you'd mentioned subscribing to newer kids. What, what else do you want people to know and how can they find you? So um, uh, I would say uh, three things. Uh, so first, if you have a five to nine-year-old, do check out our character building program. You can try it for $1. Um, it's at norkids.com, N-O-O-R-K-I-D-S.com. Basically, the way it works is uh, every month you get a new book delivered directly to your home. And every week, kids are able to access our Chutbah for Kids program. It's like an um, online um uh, course kind of. Um, and every week we have these like pro- project-based learning things that the kids are able to participate in. It really is sweet because um, <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota and I thought like all Muslims are like this. 
but through this community, kids are able to like appreciate just how beautiful our community is. Um, so that's our, 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 our character building program. Um, if you are a parent or if you are interested in topics like this or topics like how do we talk to our kids about sex or how do we uh, like um, uh, topics that parents are interested like um, like how much intimacy is enough? Uh, we have the Muslim uh, Super Dad and Wonder Mom podcast, um, which you can find wherever your um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to plug it. I'll put everything in the show notes so everybody can follow along. And as a mother of children and somebody who's really just out here trying to be a super mom, <laughs> thanks for the content. And it was such a pleasure chatting. I mean.